You're listening to Oodles of Financial Advice with Jeremy Oodle. I mean, Udell. Jeremy is a certified financial planner. He's licensed in Florida to sell insurance. He has Series 7, 24, and 65 securities licenses. And he's here to give you Oodles of Financial Advice. Happy 2023, everyone. And welcome back to the podcast. I hope all of you are having a fantastic start to your new year. If you'd like to hear more from me, you can always subscribe to this podcast and you'll get an update on the episodes we've got going on here. Whenever we get a new one out, you'll be notified about that and can hear my thoughts on maybe some of the latest things that are happening, like today's podcast will be about, or other more generalized concepts I feel like chatting about that day. I look forward to hearing your thoughts on all of those. If you'd like to hear more from me, I have a YouTube channel, Udell in a Nutshell. In fact, you can see some video clips from this podcast on that YouTube channel, but you can also find other content there. My thinking on financial topics I haven't discussed here on the podcast, as well as unusual things like movie reviews. I've introduced some of our staff on my Udell in a Nutshell YouTube channel, so feel free to check that out. I also have a book. Maybe you didn't know, but in case you'd like a copy of my book, Retire Happily Ever After, please feel free to reach out directly to us. Shoot me an email, jeremy at wealthenjoyment.com, or give us a call, 941-951-0443. New year, new rules. Well, what a crazy year of 2022 was, and right at the end, Congress threw one last big move at us before it switched over, and that was that omnibus package that went through right at the end. It's called omnibus because it covers a lot. In case you weren't paying close attention to it, you may have missed some things that happened in that package, and I highly recommend people check out all that was in that major bill that went through and was signed into law by President Biden. One of the things that could definitely affect you was the SECURE Act 2.0. At our office, we've been talking about the SECURE Act 2.0 quite a bit. When SECURE Act 1.0 passed in 2019, it changed quite a bit of what goes on with retirement plans. Right off the bat, the big one that people remember from that 2019 SECURE Act was that Minimum required distributions were pushed back to age 72. A minimum required distribution is something that when you have a retirement account like an IRA or 401k, the government says you have to take out at least this much this year, starting at this age. Before 2019, that age was 70 and a half. So for instance, if you had an IRA, and you'd left it alone because you hadn't needed it, or even if you'd taken some distributions off of it, whatever the balance was when you reached 70 and a half, the government came to you and presented a calculation that said you have to take this percentage. And whatever company you, were, you had your IRA with was required to send you a dollar amount concurrent to that percentage that you had to withdraw from your IRA. Also, 401ks and other retirement plans were subject to this rule. In 2019, it was pushed back from 70 and a half to age 72. The SECURE Act 
of 2019 also added some other rules. Another really important one was for inherited IRAs and 401ks. It used to be under old law before 2019 that if you inherited an IRA from, let's say, your parents, you could take the, the distributions off of the IRA f- over your life expectancy. So if you were in, let's say, your 50s when you received that, you might have 25 or 30 years based on government tables for life expectancy, and you could pull that money out over time. Then a new law in 2019, and again, I'm still not talking about the one that just passed in 2022. I am just refreshing you on what happened in 2019, but inherited IRAs under the law that passed in 2019 now have to be depleted within 10 years. That's a big change because it accelerates how quickly that money has to come out of the plan. I'm bringing all that up just to remind you that there were already changes, and in case you missed them, there were some important ones to be aware of. But in 2022, they did some more changing to the laws, and they pushed minimum required distributions back further to at least 73. If you are not currently taking distributions yet from your IRA because you hadn't reached age 72, they pushed those back to age 73. And in 10 years, they'll actually reach age 75 that you can take your minimum required distributions. But what's interesting is that they didn't really update the rules on depleting the IRA if you are a beneficiary of an inherited IRA. That pretty much stayed the same. So any problems you are expecting from inheriting an IRA that might cause extra tax issues, that hasn't changed, but there are some solutions you can look at. If you're interested in finding out what you should be considering if you're planning on leaving an IRA to your kids or grandkids, you might want to give us a call because there are some things you can do to offset the fairly significant tax changes to your beneficiaries. You can probably consider things like just leaving the IRA to charity if you're charitable because they won't have as much of an issue with the new rule in that way. You can try to spend down your IRA during life. You might even consider life insurance as a possible offset to some of the tax problems there. There are a lot of things to consider. I am completely agnostic as to which one is right for you until you bring me your idea and I can talk to you about it. But I just wanted to let you know that there are a lot of opportunities still available for those of you who are planning on leaving your IRA or 401k, or Roth IRA, anything that is subject to this new 10-year rule from 2019, they didn't change that with the omnibus package, and it's still something to be aware of. But in my next segment, I'm going to talk a little bit more about some of these things that happened with the 2022 law, because there were some other interesting ideas that they passed that might be really relevant to you. While the old law, the old SECURE Act of 2019, really focused on people who had already acquired some IRA money, some 401k money, and may even be thinking about leaving that money onto another generation, this most recent SECURE Act 2.0 
did a lot of good things for people who are still trying to save money, trying to figure out how to structure their retirement, may not even be really aware of what's available for their retirement and worry that making any decisions could impact their near-term financial scenarios, where if they put money away into a long-term retirement account and they've been told forever, oh, if you do that, that money's gone, you really shouldn't touch it ever for anything, the new rules actually helped a lot of people who may be worried about what else they're trying to accomplish with their financial plans. Let's take it from the top. Right off the bat, one of the huge ones that was included in this new bill is automatic enrollment in 401k plans. As of 2025, new, new plans will be required to automatically enroll their participants their employees into the plan. I think that's a very beneficial thing overall. I think it's good that people will be given the opportunity right off the bat to not have to worry about should I or shouldn't I, you know, really ponder those consequences. They'll have to make the active decision of I don't want to save for my retirement to pull out of that plan as opposed to having to make the active decision of I do want to save for retirement. Now, there are arguments, and I've actually talked about them previously on my podcast, that people shouldn't be saving for the long term, especially in their very early years. And I want to just go ahead and throw that out there and say not everyone will agree that automatic enrollment is a good thing. But I do want to say that I think that is a very beneficial thing so that we take that decision tree off the table for people who may not fully understand the value of setting up a long-term retirement savings plan and the benefits that can be achieved by having that money put away for the future. Now, some pushback I've heard on whether or not people should put money away into their retirement plans were also addressed with some of these rules that came down in the Secure Act 2.0. One of the big ones, I don't have any emergency savings put away. I can't afford to put money into the retirement plan until I have some money put away for a rainy day. If I have big medical bills come due or damage to something in my house, but it's below the deductible, but I need to come up with the cash. I don't want to have to go into debt because I'm funding my retirement plan. The government actually added an emergency savings component available on 401k plans. Now, the 401k plan has to allow for an emergency savings account, but hopefully most plans will adopt this strategy and a participant could take up to $2,500 out of that plan without worrying about the penalties that were there under previous law. You used to have to worry about a withdrawal from that plan causing a 10% penalty that you would forever lose. Now, if you need that money for an emergency, you can ask for up to 2,500 coming back to you. Well, that's really beneficial to know that that money can, if absolutely needed, be used in that way. They actually provided a provision for people subject to inclement disasters as well, FEMA emergency situations. They provided a $22,000 exclusion for people in those circumstances. And again, hopefully you are never subject to a hurricane or an earthquake or a wildfire or anything that might subject you to needing that money. But 
government knows that's something we're all worried about. Depending on where we live, it's different disasters that might cause us problems, tornadoes, blizzards, whatever it might be for you. The government allowed for a $22,000 exception in the case of the worst kind of disasters. That's big. Another really interesting and I think helpful addition that Secure Act 2.0 added was for those of us with student loan debt. I am very blessed that I am not burdened with that, but I do know it's a problem for a lot of people out there. And saving becomes really hard when so much of your money is going to pay down your student debt. I know it's a very controversial issue. I don't want to get into whether we should be forgiving loans or not, because in all honesty, I don't have strong positions on that. I can see both sides of the argument. And I honestly don't want to get into a controversial issue because I think what the government did with Secure Act 2.0 is something almost everyone should be able to agree on. For those people who are making payments to their student loans starting in 2024, they can request that their plans make matching contributions. If matching contributions were available to the 401k plan, that they were making, if they were making contributions to the 401k plan, sometimes, maybe I should go back a second, many 401k plans offer what's called matching contributions, which means that if you put money into the 401k plan, the company will also put some money into the 401k plan, maybe dollar for dollar up to a percentage, maybe 50 cents on every dollar, whatever it might be. So coming back to the student loan question now, if someone was saying, I can't afford to make those retirement plan contributions because I'm putting so much money toward my student loans, now in 2024, a person making those student loan payments can request that the company make matching contributions to the plan to account for those student loan payments. That, in my opinion, it was a no-brainer, such an easy thing to do. Now, the rules on whether or not the company has to comply, I'm not fully clear on. I think they may still be working on some of that. But even so, I'm not sure there's a downside to the company for that problem because whether the employee makes contributions to the plan to get those dollars or makes contributions to a student loan and gets those matching contributions into the plan, it seems to be the same to me to the company. And in my opinion, this seems like such a great incentive for those student loan payers to keep paying down those loans, and you can still hopefully get a retirement benefit. Now, there are some other great things in this plan, in, in this plan and I, I'll talk about them in the next segment as well. But for savers, we have more benefits for possible Roth when it comes to setting them up. Small businesses can use Roth simple IRAs matching contributions can be made to Roth accounts. There are lots of different available Roth options as well. So much happened in this bill, but for right now, I just want to stop there and say, for those of you who are hoping to contribute to a retirement plan, please pay attention to these new rules because they could be very beneficial to you. I'm going to do something a little different than I would usually do at this point in the podcast. At the break after the second section, I often like to go a little personal with you, tell you a little something about me. 
And while I've got some great things going on with me right now, things I'm excited to tell you, boy, this Secure Act 2.0 was so packed full of stuff that I still feel like I have another segment here to talk about that. And that's what I'm going to do with my last segment today is give you a few more of perhaps the lesser known exciting bits of Secure Act 2.0, which again came through at the end of 2022 as part of that omnibus package. One of the really interesting little tidbits that they added onto this, and maybe not so little, is an exclusion they made for 529 plans. Not really an exclusion, a new rule, I should say, for 529 plans. 529 plans, for those who don't know, are accounts we can set up for education purposes. Specifically, it's used most often by parents or grandparents wanting to fund an account for the future education of a child. You put money into these 529 plan accounts every year. They get invested in whatever funds are available. These accounts are usually administered by the state, and each state has its own 529 plans to be aware of. If you'd like to know more about what 529 plans are available, feel free to reach out to us. But one of the interesting things they did is they created a new ability to roll over a 529 plan into a Roth IRA. Not all of it, but about $35,000 of a 529 plan can one time be rolled over to a Roth IRA. Why is that valuable? Because if you're funding your student's education, whatever age they may be, and let's say by the time they reach college, they get a bunch of scholarships, and they don't necessarily need the funds you've put aside for them, or they don't end up going to college at all. Whatever it might be, you may feel kind of trapped because if you take money out of a 529 plan that you've contributed into it, and you don't use it for allowed educational purposes like tuition or dormitories, you're going to pay taxes and penalties for distributions being used for non-education purposes. And that was a big disincentive for people to make a choice about whether or not they should put that money towards just a retirement account or any old savings or brokerage account that didn't have those restrictions but may not have had the same tax benefits for putting money into a 529 plan. Now, if you contribute money to a 529 plan and you have some money left over, up to $35,000, you can roll that over to a Roth IRA. Really interesting and a great availability for people who are seriously thinking about setting up a 529 plan, but worried they may not be able to use all the money they put in there for education and then would be stuck paying taxes and penalties down the road to get that money back. Another interesting idea that was improved by this new law is something called a Qualified Longevity Annuity Contract. Secure Act 2.0 made that a little better. When people have to start taking those minimum required distributions out of their IRAs that I talked about in the first segment, sometimes they don't need that money and they can be a little disappointed that they're being forced to take that money, pay the tax on it. In years, they may not even really need it. There is a type of allowable account called a Qualified Longevity Annuity Contract where you can defer a certain amount of your IRA further down the line. And any amount you defer up to the maximum will reduce dollar for dollar by the percentage you 
put towards the qualified longevity annuity contract your minimum required distributions on the remainder. So for instance, if you have a $500,000 IRA and you put 100,000 towards a qualified longevity annuity contract, a QLAC, then there's only 400,000 left over, 20% was put towards the future, 80% remains. You just reduced your minimum required distributions every year by about 20% going forward because the remaining balance will be taken out at the age you selected, oftentimes as late as age 85, to be able to start taking distributions off of the part you deferred. That can be really valuable for people who don't need all of their money, at least something to think about. Well, why am I bringing that up? Because the new rule actually made that a little bit easier, gave you a little bit more money that you could do. It used to be that the max you could contribute to a qualified longevity annuity contract was 125,000. They increased that to 200,000. And they also had a separate calculator that said only up to 25% of your account so that if you had less than 500,000, you couldn't even contribute 125,000. If I had 400,000, for instance, under the old rule, I could only contribute 100,000, not 125. Now they say there is no percentage maximum, only a dollar amount maximum. So if you have 400,000, you could, if you wanted to, if it made sense in your situation, put up to 200,000 into the qualified longevity annuity contract. Last thing I wanted to mention, they now allow a qualified charitable distribution directly to a charitable gift annuity of up to 50,000, a one-time choice to take a distribution off of your IRA that would have otherwise qualified for the charitable distribution allowance that they have. And instead of making a direct gift to charity with no remaining benefits to you, you can actually make that qualified charitable distribution into a charitable gift annuity or a charitable remainder trust. By the way, all the charitable remainder trusts may be a little more expensive to set up. It usually requires an attorney to help set up the document for you to set up the trust. Whereas a charitable gift annuity, there are many charities who can administer that directly for you without having to go through an attorney. That is something to consider for people who may not need all of the money in their IRA, have some charitable intent. Maybe they're planning on leaving something to the charity when they pass away, but still want to retain some benefit off of the money they're considering giving to charity after they pass away, up to 50000 to a charitable gift annuity or charitable remainder trust. Really interesting little wrinkle. Those are three of my favorite last bits of Secure Act 2.0, but there's a lot more in it. If you're interested in talking about anything I've discussed today when it comes to Secure Act 2.0, please feel free to reach out to me, Jeremy at WealthEnjoyment.com, or give me a call, 941 941- Five eight seven zero two nine five. As I said, this was buried in that much larger package, so it is understandable if you totally missed this or weren't aware of all of the benefits you could accrue. I'd love to help you in any way I possibly can. That's it for the podcast today. I want to thank my amazing sister Megan 
who has been my producer on these podcasts all this time. She's doing a great job. Thank you, Megan, for all that you've done. I'd like to thank everyone who's contributed some feedback to this podcast and tried to help me make it better. I want to thank everyone at Udell Associates for continuing to support me in this endeavor as I try to create something that people will listen to and enjoy on a regular basis. Let me know what you think of the podcast. Feel free to shoot me an email just with some feedback. I'd love to hear from you. Give me a call. Any way you want to react, I'd post some comments in the, whatever comment section, whether it's on Spotify or, or uh, I, you know, the iTunes store or anywhere else that you are listening to my podcast. I do hope that you will give me some feedback because it's really valuable to me. If you want to find me anywhere else, again, please check out my YouTube channel, Udell in a Nutshell. And you can also find me on social media, especially on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. And finally, you can always reach out to me directly if you're interested in my book, Retire Happily Ever After. I look forward to being back with you with some more interesting ideas, maybe in a week or so when I'll have more oodles for your noodle. <laughs>